So if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Isaiah 6. I'm going to begin in the fifth verse. Israel's in a lot of turmoil right now, and Isaiah says these words. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I am among among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Wow, what a miracle there. You see, there's a necessary step before any true confession of sin is the understanding, the glory, and the power, and the holiness of God Almighty. You see, he rules the heavens and the earth, and we can say that with our lips, but until we experience that, sometimes we have a very shallow understanding of that. You see, Isaiah had that experience, a very vivid and personal meeting that allowed him to recognize that God was the almighty king and ruler of the earth. It was a supernatural realm for Isaiah. But once Isaiah confessed his sinfulness and his need for deliverance, God reached out through that angel and brought atonement to him. You see, Isaiah did nothing to accomplish this. He did not offer a sacrifice. He did not promise to be a missionary. He didn't do anything to gain it. He had no power to save himself. This is an act of God's grace for us. Some of you may remember the movie The End with Burt Reynolds in it. And at the end of that movie where someone is trying to kill him, Burt Reynolds decides that he needs the Lord. And so as he first was thinking about suicide as he jumped into the ocean, he's now realizing he wants to be alive. And so he, he's asking God, God, if you'll get me back to land, I'll give you everything that I earn. And as he got closer, he said, God, if you just get me to the shore, I'll give you 50% of what I earn. And as he's crawling up on the beach, he said, God, I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to give you some stuff that I earn. And about that time, someone else comes on to the the beach and begins to chase Burt Reynolds again, trying to kill him. And Burt Reynolds in the movie ends with him going, God, if you'll just get me away from this guy, I'll give you everything that I earn. You see, God doesn't make deals. And lip service to God doesn't change much. You see, Isaiah saw this more clearly, more aware that his own powerlessness and inadequacy had nothing to do with God's everlasting love. But he still was willing to be a spokesman. You see, there was nothing magical about these coals, just like when people are baptized. There's nothing magical about that water. Rather, they figuratively represent the miraculous accomplishment of God's gracious purification and forgiveness. The guilt will no longer keep Isaiah from God's presence because he's been forgiven. The atonement means that God's wrath and the sin that motivated it were satisfied and taken away, making renewed fellowship possible. The experience that Isaiah had indicates that there, are, there is any true believer 
can identify your sin, admit it, and then recognize that God, through the true confession, can remove it, is available to you. You see, we depend upon God's mercy, but often we don't perceive the holiness of God. We do not acknowledge the power of God, who's the God of all creation. We acknowledge that. We say that with our lips. He's a sovereign God. But do we live that with our lives? You see, we need to honestly evaluate ourselves in the life that we are living today. If we're truly understood who God is and what our place is in his will, we will repent much quicker. So let me go on with him and my poor pitiful story here. Move to Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? (coughs) Excuse me. And whom will go for us? And he said, here am I, send me. You see, in my life, my life was going really well. Uh, I had been on the police department for a few years. Uh, My partner... I had the same partner for 35 years in the police department. We had transferred into the training academy. We had begun, begun tactical training that was so, so needed in our department. And we became very good at what we were doing. But you see, we first had to establish ourselves with those officers that had been on much longer than I had been on and been in situations different than some of the situations I'd been in. But policemen are probably, well, maybe not the worst group to try to train. Kindergartners are pretty tough. (laughs) But policemen are close. And seniors their last semester in high school are almost impossible to teach. But policemen are the same way. If you haven't walked in their shoes, if they don't trust you, if they don't believe that you know exactly what you're talking about, if you have not lived this life out, they don't really care whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief, or who you are. They don't want to listen to you. They want to know that you understand what they're going through. And so that was a struggle for my partner and I as we began. We had to establish that relationship with these guys. And we did. And we got very good at what we did. And not only did we teach in our department, but we taught across the state and across this country. We taught in other countries. And man, did I decide that I was really good at this. And little did I know that what we were teaching these guys was from God. You see, God blesses those that are called into law enforcement who stand as Isaiah says, send me. Those are the men and women that go, you know what? Other people are more important than me. And they stand in the gap. And so when we started getting phone calls, what you guys taught, save my partner and my bacon the other night. What you guys taught made a huge difference in the scenario that we were in. And you know what? We decided we were really good. Man, when we made it on Good Morning America, we knew we were almost rock stars. We were really good. Well, you know what? As you're going to hear in a little bit, God's got to break us. 
We have to realize our sin, admit it. And then sometimes he does that with a painful understanding as to who he is. So we'll finish the story as, as we go through the rest of this. Let's turn to the ninth verse now, Isaiah 6. Listen to this assignment he gives Isaiah. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, make the hearts of these people collapsed, Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. That is absolutely confusing. But yet this message is from the divine counsel because he says, go for us. Who will stand in the gap for us? You know, this appearance of this divine counsel appears in scripture so often you can look in first kings 22nd chapter you can look in job you can look in the 29th psalm you can look at jeremiah 23 you can look and see that god is trying to guide us in the right direction so going down to verse 11 now isaiah 6 11 then i said for how long O lord And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitation, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid to waste. But as the terabith and the oak leaves stumps, when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump of that land. So when would the people listen? Only after they had come to the end and where they believed they had no place else to turn but to God. How often do we do that? How often do we try to fix things? How often do we take credit for things and we realize we're wrong and we see that there is power far greater than we can understand. You see, when we obey God, we often avoid some of the calamities that follow because of our disobedience or our pride, our arrogance. When we are slow to respond and we ignore God, we face a painful correction. So for so long as we were doing so well, God brought me to a place where I had a doctor tell me this, this illness you have here, this is probably going to kill you. I got mad at God. And I, in, in my police career, I'd been mad at God several times. I was mad at God, the first officer that, uh, in a scenario we were involved in, was killed on the line of duty. I got mad at God for that. I got mad at God. Why are you doing this to me, God? I'm going to church. I'm in the leadership role at the church I'm at. Our youngest son is born. He's probably two or three at this time. Why are you doing this? And you know, like God told Job, I'm sorry, who are you again? God needed my attention. 
because he needed to bring to reality what we had been doing and why we had been doing it and why we're so successful at it and what he needed me to do again. Yeah, he had put us in front of an audience, not like Isaiah's, but quite similar, those that didn't want to listen. But there were those that seed that was there, that remnant that was there that paid attention and listened and were thankful that they had heard that. But yet, I believe we needed the credit. So we need to prayerfully consider what God is telling you before time runs out. I encourage you to read the 12th chapter of Hebrews. You know it has warnings in it, yet it brings rejoicing when we obey God healed me of that illness. And he did it through the voice of my son. Suddenly, epiphany came about as an epiphany that came to Isaiah once he realized how powerless he was. As I was going through the treatments, my little boy wrapped his arms around me and said, Daddy, it's okay. I will hold you. And suddenly my anger was gone. A guy that didn't want to pray for himself and told his wife, don't have anybody pray for me. I don't need any help. In fact, I don't want anybody to know about this. I don't even want the rest of the family to know about it. Realized how powerless I was. The funny part was when I told Melanie, my bride, I said, you know what? I I want you to Tell those people to start praying for me. She said, I already did. I said, I thought I was very clear that I told you not to do that. You know, the words that she, that she said to me still ring in my head. When I told her I didn't want anybody to know, she said, I understand. She did not say, I will not tell anybody. She said, I understand. Because you see, she answered to a higher authority. Even though the Bible says, wives, you should obey your husbands. Should be a little parenthesis there, except when they're acting like idiots. You can see my wife's back in the sanctuary now. You know, like I said, while not the same audience that Isaiah had in the beginning, we did feel like we weren't being heard. And yet God knew that each lesson that was needed to be told would be heard by those that wanted to learn, those that wanted to make a change. It was that remnant that God spoke of. You know, the charge that Isaiah received was to dull the ears and the eyes of the people with unclean lips. God was preparing these people to listen constantly to his words. Even though many would never comprehend or apply them, there were lives out there that need to be encouraged. You know, it sounds a little bit like the same warning that God gave Ezekiel when his audience was rebellious, stubborn, hard-headed, and weren't willing to listen or obey. 
God warned Isaiah that there would be no positive results because the people were refusing to follow God. God has decided to punish these people. It was past time for repentance. The time of judgment was at hand. You see, the people had time to repent in the past, and now God was judging them for their sin. God plans to punish rather than, God would rather heal rather than punish, but it's not that God does not want to grant mercy and grace, but he does. But you know what? We have free will, and we choose our own path. And so often we do not want to own that. Can you imagine what could be going through Isaiah's head when God says these words to him that, you know, they're going to be punished. There's not going to be anything left in this land. And it's like, God, why am I going after them? Why am I doing this? Because I've asked you to do it. Because I've told you to do it. Because it needs to be done. How often do we say, God, I'll do anything that you want me to do. Just tell me what it is. And when he says, I need you to go to Ethiopia to be a missionary. Okay, God, that's a great idea. Let me see if I can find somebody to go do that for you. So often we make it about us. There were those that did listen to Isaiah. While most hearts were hardened, Because they were beyond repentance, God's patience had run out with this rebellious group. You see, it was even exhausting to God. His judgment was to abandon them and their rebellion and harden their hearts. This happens when we, of our own free will, decide decide about sin. How often have you said, oh, that's just a little sin? Nobody's going to know about that. Or you're like one of the NBA referees, you know, no harm, no foul. Nobody got hurt. Well, I don't need to say anything. They're not going to remember this. I didn't like them anyway. We have excuses of why we don't seek repentance. Or we even go as far as say, you know, I said I'm sorry. And we want to move on. That's not repentance in God's eyes. So why did God send Isaiah if the people weren't going to listen? And again, as I said, there was a remnant, there was a holy seed there that God knew that there was some people that were going to listen. God is revealed in a marvelous and mysterious way in this passage. You see, his holiness and glory are awesome. Beyond our comprehension, yet a veiled perception that is available is clear enough to require each person to respond to God. So from this passage, I concluded several things, and I want to list some of them for you. First of all, that the servants of the Holy King, we are called to worship God and praise him with the heavenly host. We are called to worship him and praise him at all times. At every little thing, realize that he is in control of all things. Secondly, we are to repent of, excuse me, repent of our daily sins so that we can be in his presence. Because with 
a sin that we have not repented from. We are not in his presence. Read Isaiah again. God gets exhausted with our constant sins. And thirdly, we need to listen. We need to serve God. We need to be obedient to him and follow his will. That is so much easier said than done. We are a generation or generations of people that are too busy, too focused on self to be obedient to God. You know, God, that's a great idea. I know you want me to do it Wednesday, but uh, I'm busy this week, so how about if I get to it on Saturday? That is not what God asks. And it's a struggle. But he loves us that much. Fourthly, we need to speak the message God gives us. Listen very carefully to this. We need to speak the message he gives us regardless of its popularity or its severity. While it may cause some to harden their hearts for destruction, you have spoken the truth. And you leave the next step up to God. There's a lot of chaos in this world right now, and there's a lot of things that are controversial, and there's a lot of things that we just want to ignore or be apathetic to because we don't want to get into an argument with somebody. But if the Bible says something is wrong, it is wrong. We need to stand on that truth and the promises that God has for us. And the last thing is we need to give hope or encouragement in a time of hopelessness. Hopelessness, and my gosh, has there ever been a better time to encourage people than now? The doctrine of hardening people's hearts is controversial. Its perspective seems inappropriate to preach. Yet if you get a chance, read the first chapter of Romans, beginning in the 18th verse, going through the 32nd verse. It speaks of similar situations in which people knew the truth of God's revelation, but they refused to follow it. We must get back to the basics that we have an opportunity to experience God and to help him grow his kingdom on this earth. It's about following his will for each life, each day. So as we are sitting here today, are the days that we are in now similar to those that Isaiah had in his day? So the question is, will we be the holy seed? Will we be the remnant that God uses? We should gain encouragement from God's promise to preserve his people. If we are faithful to him, we can be assured of his mercy. Seeing the Lord and listening to the praise of angels, Isaiah realized that he had sinned with no real hope of measuring up to God's holy standard. But when his lips were touched with the living burning coal, he was told that his sins were forgiven. Again, it was not the coals that cleansed him, but God's, but God himself. In response, Isaiah submitted himself entirely to God's service. This painful cleansing process was necessary before he could fulfill the task that God had before him. Letting God purify us can be painful, but we must be purified 
so that we can truly represent God who is pure and holy. You see, Isaiah in the beginning didn't know the mission that God had designed for him. He didn't know the length or responsibility. He didn't know the difficulty of the task ahead. Nevertheless, Isaiah immediately said, pick me. I'll do it. I constantly get to speak to law enforcement officers and I tell them, you know what? This is a calling that you have. It is more than a profession. The same thing with firefighters that run into a burning building like it's their house. We need to stand in the gap for God Almighty. For those that have no hope right now. For those that are so concerned with all the chaos that's around them. We need to be the words of encouragement. We can't be like Moses who lays out all these excuses like I did. I had, man, I made Moses look really wimpy with all the excuses I threw out. We need to step up. You see, I didn't understand God's big picture. I didn't understand that the words that we spoke, the tactics that we taught, was his desire to protect these men and women. It was him at work all the, all the time. I didn't understand the next step that he had, nor did I need to know the next step. Zeke, if you want to come up. I'll share this last story. Our youngest son is a police officer with HPD. He works out at Westside in the gang unit out there. He was leaving the station the other day, and as he was walking out, he was walking with, as he described, an old head. Uh, the guy had been on maybe almost 20 years. And he was complaining about the morale in the department. And he said, you know, it didn't used to be this way. Uh, our training was better. The morale was better. And Tyler said, you know, you must have came through when those two guys with mustaches that were comedians that did the training. And he said, who? He said, Bratton and Connolly. He said, oh, you know them? He goes, yeah, Terry's my old man. And he said, I got to tell you this. He says, in my career here, I've been in more than one shooting. And each time your dad came out, the first words he said to me weren't questions about the shooting. The first thing he said, are you okay? And he said that meant so much to me because I realized that I wasn't going through this by myself. You see, that's what God wants us to do to those that are hopeless out there right now to those that don't know the Lord. And for each of us that want to know him and experience him at a deeper level, we need to be encouraging each other. That's why he gives us a walk scripture or a life scripture. So as I wrap up, it's not what you hear today. I hope you've done more than listen. But it's not what you hear today, <coughs> excuse me, but how you respond to what he said to you in your heart. I want to tell you something. If you're more concerned about who the next president's going to be, or if you're more concerned about what the economy is going to be, that's your fear, and your fear is not of God Almighty and what he wants you to do. 
then you need to stay with us over the next several weeks. We want to deepen that relationship. We want to understand at a different level, at a more deep level, the power and the holiness of God Almighty and how much he loves each and every one of you. Amen. Thank you.